Well, I was sitting over there just now thinking I should just delete the whole sermon and just do some paper plate stuff. But I could never be that cute. There is 0% chance. I don't think I was ever that cute. Uh, for those of you who don't know me, I am Pastor Tyler Moore. I am the husband to Cassie Moore, the director of Next Gen Ministries here. And I want to say thank you to Pastor Mac for letting me be here uh, to preach today. Uh, I learned uh, as a kid and kind of growing up that when it comes to the holidays, when you're a guest in a place, that you should bring a gift. And so I thought about bringing you guys all like a bottle of wine, uh, but that would get a little pricey. And then I thought maybe I could bring you like some fruitcake or something, but I didn't want you to like upchuck here in the, uh, the, the sanctuary. I also, you know, I thought about puppies. You guys want puppies as a gift? Yeah, maybe. and then some of you are like, no, no. So I decided to bring you the gift of peace. I know it's kind of a re-gift, it was given to me first, so I'm gonna pass it along to you now. Um, when you look at Psalm 23, arguably the most famous chapter in the entire Bible. I have memorized this. I have taught it to middle schoolers. I have preached it at funerals. I have spoken it to people throughout my life. And I'm sure memory, many of you already have it memorized as well. Again, incredibly famous chapter of the Bible. However, I have never heard it connected to Christmas like is being done here during this sermon series. And I, I honestly think, as I thought about it, I think the reason that you haven't seen Psalm 23 connected to Christmas is partly because of today's verse that Pastor Matt just read. Because when you hear walking through the valley of the shadow of death, it doesn't really jive with rocking around the Christmas tree. It does not have that like festive, holly jolly feeling. However, as I looked at this verse, I actually believe that this verse, verse four of Psalm 23, has the most rich Christmas connection of anything else in the psalm. There's so many connective tissues there. I look forward to walking through them with you. But before we do that, if you could please join me in prayer. Lord God, Heavenly Father, thank you so much for today, for this chance that we get to come together and worship you, whether it be in person or online. Lord, we thank you. We thank you that we're able to sing out as one voice, one family of believers, that we are in a place where we can worship. Lord, we thank you. Lord, I thank you for this chance to share your message. Lord, let it be your message. Let it not be about me, but let it be from you and about you. I submit myself to you, and I pray that everybody who hears this message will be willing to do the same, to let your Holy Spirit be at work in each and every one of us. In your name we pray, amen. I do want to give a special welcome to anybody watching online. Thank you for joining with us today. Well, as we move into this Christmas season, we're in the thick of it now. I, you look around and you have the lights and you have the music and you have all the, the festive cheer this year seeming more than others. I, it's just such a magical time, isn't it? You have the, the peace and the love and the joy of Christmas. In fact, some of you probably have those written on decorations in your house or in your yard, peace, love, joy. And it, it's a great time, it is. But when I look at those three concepts, there are some issues. Uh, because peace, yes, Christmas is a peaceful time, unless you work retail, <laughs> or you're a FedEx driver, or a church worker, because for people who work in churches, Christmas is anything but peaceful. And as I'm finding out, if you're a middle school teacher, because those students are 100% done already, and oh, by the way, so is the teacher. Um, Christmas 
can be so difficult to be peaceful, to find that moment, or if you're a procrastinator, right? Uh, hey, by the way, you got a couple of weeks yet to get there, out there to the stores. Now, what about love? Love, how, how is the Christmas season about love? Well, I gotta tell you, if you find yourself in the parking lot at a mall on December 23rd, there is no love to be found anywhere there. It's pure anarchy. You try and tell me that Christmas is a season of love in that place at that time. Enjoy. Joy is tough for many people this time of year. This season seems to remind us of what we lack. It seems to do a great job of showing us the things in our life that we want that we don't have. Yes, literally, when it comes to commercials and things like that, I want that thing, I need a new PlayStation 5, but other things in our lives. For instance, driving home from the office Christmas party, seeing all the couples together, and you're going home to a cold and empty house. Or maybe your cousin sends a present to both of you, forgetting that you're no longer together. Or maybe you're unpacking the Christmas decorations and you get out the stockings and you realize that there's one that you don't need anymore. Or maybe it's seeing all the pictures on Facebook of people celebrating saying, baby's first Christmas, and you still have that room in your house that maybe one day will become a nursery. Or maybe you're a widow and you see all the decorations up and down the street and it just reminds you that you can't do it on your own and oh yeah, you're on your own now. Christmas is a time that can be incredibly difficult for many even on the best year and this clearly is not the best year. See, we, we have this, this, this feeling of coming together and we're not able to do that as much as we can. Those in-laws aren't able to come over well, praise God for small blessings on that one. Um, perhaps verse 4 of Psalm 23 is a little closer to our reality than we let on. Here's what it says. Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. If we take a look at those Christmas connections I talked about earlier within verse 4 of Psalm 23, the most obvious that we kind of alluded to earlier with our readings is, for you are with me. O come, O come, Emmanuel, God with us. And really, uh, O come, O come, Emmanuel is a perfect song for this verse because that is not a Christmas song. No, it's an Advent song. O Come, O Come, Emmanuel is made for the season before Christmas, the season that we're in right now. See, it's told from the perspective of Israel, the people of God, as they cried out desperately for a Savior, for a Messiah, for somebody to come and rescue them, to ransom them, to come and take them out of the situation that they're in. They knew that there was a promised Messiah. They knew that a Savior was coming, but he ain't there yet. That's the season we're in right now. We know that all those to-do lists and all those things that we have to get done before December 24th or December 25th, we know that eventually they'll pay off. We know that eventually Christmas will happen, but we ain't there yet. As a pastor, my favorite moment of Christmas is that Christmas Eve worship service when at the very end of Silent Night, everybody's holding their candle, the, the last notes are still hanging in the air, and everybody blows out that, that little symbol of hope, that single flame. 
And suddenly the band kicks into joy to the world because we shift from this idea of a little flicker of hope to the reality of a Savior who's been born to us. Theologically, that's why I love that moment. Practically, I love that moment because there's not anything else I can screw up at that point. Right? Like the people are already parked. They're already sitting down. I've already preached. At that point, like, all right, we're all done. So there's that moment of joy. But we ain't there yet. See, that's what Advent is all about. It's about realizing that something great is coming, but we're just not there yet. But as it comes to O Come, O Come, Emmanuel, there's a second thing within that song that kind of connects us to verse 4 of Psalm 23. The second verse of O Come, O Come, Emmanuel says, O come thou rod of Jesse, rescue us or save us from Satan's tyranny. Rod of Jesse, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Now, I'll be fully honest, this is a bit of a rough translation because when it says rod in this verse, which comes from Isaiah chapter 11, verse 1, and there shall come forth a rod out of the stem of Jesse and a branch shall grow out from his roots. When it's saying rod there, it's actually talking about like a branch, a stem, part of a tree, specifically a family tree. And it's talking about those descended from Jesse. And the first descendant is David, who wrote Psalm 23. But that's not who it's talking about. That's not the rod of Jesse. Who it's actually talking about, we see in the genealogies in the Gospels. It's Jesus Christ, Jesus of Nazareth, who comes from the line of David, who was the son of Jesse, the rod of Jesse. And so when we see the rod and the staff, they comfort me, perhaps you could connect that and say Jesus himself comforts us. But let's look at actually what a rod and a staff are and what it's actually talking about. Because remember, this whole chapter, this whole psalm is an extended metaphor. And so it's talking about being uh, God being a shepherd and the people, us, being the sheep. So when it says the rod and the staff, what is it talking about? Well, it could actually be the same instrument used in two different ways. But the rod, the rod was a weapon. The rod was used for protection, for fending off predators, things like wolves and lions, things that would otherwise want to devour and harm the sheep. And so the rod protects. The staff, the staff was to guide. The staff was so that the sheep could look up above the flock and see that staff and they could follow it. That's the direction that we are supposed to go. The staff would be used to save them if they were in peril. The staff represents guidance. And in fact, that's where we get the idea of the king's scepter, right? Is from this idea of the staff. So it's God's protection and God's guidance that gives us peace, that makes it so we don't have to fear evil. So, let's get into the most controversial part of the verse. The one that kind of disconnects it from Christmas. The one that you hear the, the valley of the shadow of death. How does that play into holly jolly Christmas? Well, let me just say that while I love the valley of the shadow of death, that phrasing, I will fear no evil, it's beautiful. It's almost haunting, isn't it? And that's why it's used so often in end-of-life situations, because it does bring peace, it brings hope, it brings uh, this reminder that we don't have to fear death. 
but it's also not the best representation of what the psalm is actually talking about. No, when it says the valley of the shadow of death, it really should be translated the darkest valley. It's just a really, really dark place. Because remember, this is told from the perspective of the sheep. And sheep are not, how do I put this, um, eloquent. <laughs> They're not going to be like, I say, I notice that there is a valley in front of us. And I do think that that might be the valley of the shadow of death. And upon it, I might meet my demise. Oh, I shall not fear evil. That is not a sheep. Sheep's like, that's dark, scary. Don't go there. Oh, shepherd, go there. I go there. That is the idea of the sheep. And so you want to take this in the most simple terms possible, and that these sheep, following their shepherd, come across a dark and scary valley. And I say they come across it, because remember what happened earlier in the psalm. Where is he leading us? To greener pastures, to still waters along paths of righteousness. So this week, as I was working on this, it hit me like, if you're following the path of righteousness, if you're going towards greener pastures and still waters, and you're following the good shepherd, God himself, how do you end up in the valley of the shadow of death, this deep, dark, scary valley? How do you get there? Well, it's one of two things, really. Either you strayed, you left behind what the shepherd was guiding you to and said, I'm going to go my own way. But when it comes to the context of the psalm, that doesn't appear to be the case. More likely, it was along the way. In order to get to the green pastures, you have to pass through the dark valley. In order to go to those still waters, you have to go through this deep, scary valley. Sometimes to get somewhere better, you have to go through somewhere worse. Sometimes to get somewhere better, you have to go through somewhere worse because the shepherd knew where he was taking them. He was leading them to paradise, somewhere better for them as sheep. And yet along that path was a deep, dark, scary valley. And for the sheep, that was terrifying because there may be predators there. There may be danger there. There is the unknown there. And for us, it's the same thing. As we try and go to somewhere better, sometimes we have to pass through something that's worse. Sometimes we have to go through a place that is unknown and scary. Some of you may be in that valley right now. Maybe you got an email from your boss and you're not sure what it's about, or maybe you're exactly sure what it's about and you're scared about the meeting. Maybe you've already had that meeting and you're scared to tell your family. Maybe you see relationships falling apart in your life or, or you don't see relationships coming to fruition at all. Maybe you, you've made a choice and you're pretty sure it's the right choice, but things are so difficult right now, you're not trusting that you're going in the right direction. My friends, if you are in that dark valley, know that God is still with you. Know that he is still leading you. Know that while you may look and say, uh, where I am is worse than where I was. Where I was was better than where I am. You think of the, the people in Israel, right? When they left behind the slavery in Egypt, and then they were wandering in the desert for 40 years. And I love the little note that while they were wandering, they started to gripe and complain, as people tend to do. And they're like, at least they fed us back in Egypt. Sure, we were slaves, but at least they fed us and kind of took care of us. At least we knew when our meals were going to come. But no, as they're wandering in the desert, they're literally just getting enough to get through the day. But where were they going? The promised land. 
They were going to the place that God had promised to them. And so they were out wandering, and yet they still had this thought of of where we were is better than where we are. But when you have that thought, you have to trust that God knows where you are going. God knows where you are going, and he is leading you because he is the good shepherd. This idea of the valley of the shadow of death, the darker valley, I wanted to kind of figure out where that translation came from. It actually is the same word that we see in Isaiah chapter 9, verse 1. It says, The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who lived in the land of deep darkness, deep darkness, there's that word, on them a light has shined. These are the people of Israel. These are the people in that Advent season crying out for a Messiah. Guess what? Isaiah 9, verse 6, just five verses later, we get this. Perhaps you've heard it. To us, a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. He will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. My friends, as you walk through this valley, as you go through the darkness, know that this is not where you live. This is not the end of your story. This is not where you set up camp because you are on your way to something bigger and greater because you are following the good shepherd who leads you, who guides you. Maybe it's in this world that things will get better. Maybe uh, whatever you're going through now, you'll see yourself out on the other side and you'll look back and say, it was worth it. Maybe your time on this earth is dwindling. Oh, all the better because we know We know that beyond this world, there is something so much greater. There is something that is promised to us, everlasting life, free from pain, free from sorrow, free from mourning, free from frustration, free from anxiety, free from all of that stuff that comes with this broken Advent world. We ain't there yet. See, as you go through the valley, you know that the shepherd is guiding you on to something better. And it takes a lot to trust but we will fear no evil. We will fear no evil because God is with us. Our Emmanuel came to this earth, walked on this earth, died a sacrificial death so that we can be set free. We can know beyond a shadow of a doubt that you are loved and that everlasting life and paradise is promised to you by nothing that you've done, but only through Jesus Christ. Maybe take hope in this. As you walk through the shadowy valley, shadows don't exist without light. So even as you can't see it, know that that light is shining, that that light is reaching out. The light of God is desperately reaching out to try and get you to receive you, to reach out to you, and you will get through this with God at your side. Because that's what Christmas is all about. Christmas is about the light shining in the darkness as as a beacon to help people see. Christmas is about the warmth and the love of Jesus Christ reaching out to every cold, dark corner of your house. Christmas is about finding peace in the midst of the chaos, finding joy in the midst of the sorrow because, my friends, we have a Savior who has come for us. Because he knows you and he loves you and nothing is going to change that. For to us, a son is given. 
and he shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Everlasting Father, Mighty God, Prince of Peace. Amen. Will you pray with me? Lord God, Heavenly Father, Lord, we come to you today with so many of us struggling through the dark valley, struggling to see the light, to see where we're going, to see that where the path that we are on is your path. Lord, remind us that this isn't where we stay. Remind us that the brokenness of this world, that we will one day be free of it because of the blood of Jesus Christ. Lord, as we pass through this valley, give us the awareness to look around and to see that there are those in our midst, those in our lives, those that you've placed in our lives who've set up camp there, who think that that's it, who don't even know about the green pastures and the still waters. Lord, help us to share that with them. Help us to share that light with them in the midst of the darkness. Help us to proclaim your love, your truth, your gospel, that they may know that message of hope, that they may know what it means to truly be loved. Lord, remind us every single day of that love, that we can have it within ourselves, but then share it with the people around us. Lord, as we go through this valley, help us to fear no evil, for death has lost its sting, because you have overcome the grave. Lord, we thank you as we're able to celebrate Christmas. Help us to find peace, to find love, and to find joy. In your name we pray. Amen.